Thank you for joining us at uh, Beerfish Fanatics. And this episode is actually brought to you by Whisker Seeker Tackle. So make sure you guys go to whiskerseeker.com for all your catfishing gear. Enjoy the episode, guys. All right. Welcome back to Beerfish Fanatics. This is part two uh, of the episode that we did at the uh, Midwest Fish and Wildlife Convention. So hopefully you guys enjoy this one. If you haven't checked out part one, make sure you guys go back and check out the previous episode we just released yesterday. So check out part one and hopefully you guys enjoyed this part two. And don't forget tomorrow, part three. Enjoy, guys. Can you hear me? Recording? I can hear you. Yeah, we're recording. I can hear you and Wait. I can hear myself. So there we go. That's, that's good. Since what are you doing, I'm man? I'm getting mixed up over here. <laughs> Wait, is this one plugged in? Yeah, it should be. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. We're only a beer and a half in, by the way, guys. So, but Well, I had today <laughs> off, and I went fishing. Yeah. Must had be a nice. Few drinks. Must be nice. But anyways, uh, welcome back, everybody. We got uh, Chris Brooks, right? Yep. From Missouri, and you're a fishery biologist down yep. there. Is that yeah. correct? Um, this is going to be great, because I have never fished in Missouri. <laughs> so I'm going to have a lot of questions or information hopefully you can help us out yeah to learn a little and, bit more and my big responsibility is the area Truman reservoir or most people call it Truman lake but that's the oh. the largest reservoir in missouri fifty-five thousand acres um so that's what i can talk about okay. in depth that's a that's a pretty not that 10 minutes is enough time to talk in too much depth we'll do the best we can it's all right We'll, we'll stay a little bit over time if we need to <laughs> learn all this. We'll go till Jeff knocks on the door. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris. Uh, what do you actually do at your location? Everything and just you know, tell us the the hot bite too, if you don't mind. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, like I said, most of my job is working on Truman Lake, understanding that population, sampling, monitoring, um, all the normal fish biologist stuff, and then you know, meshing that together with what the anglers want. Um, so. Our big fisheries are crappie, blue catfish, and then we have seasonal paddlefish snagging, and okay. a little bit of wipers or hybrid striped bass, and then you know the list goes on with some other stuff. But those are probably the four, what I would call the four biggest ones. The <clears throat> crappie and blue catfish for sure are really big. Paddlefish, like I said, seasonal. It's, it's a snagging season, March fifteenth, April thirtieth. Okay. So you got to get it in your forty-five day window, but uh, and I, have you have you guys are you familiar with snagging or that process or what that is? Well, I've I've seen videos of guys they're out in boats like basically mm -hmm. just dragging. Well, not yeah. dragging, but trolling like big treble hooks, mm -hmm. right? Yep, dragging. Yep, dragging big weights with big hooks, and you jerk on the pole until you hook up with a fish and put put a hook in some flesh and. And a lot of those fish, you know, the guys that are they're good, they're seeing 60, 70 pound fish on a fairly regular basis. Okay. And uh, the, the biggest one I've seen uh, sampling was like 103 pounds. Wow. I, I know somebody caught one that was, I think, 113 pounds. And uh, you wow. just that's heave into it and lug it in. What's the uh, record for a, spoon, uh, a paddle well, fish? I, I think it... You know, you might have to fact check this one. <laughs> I think it's 143 pounds or something in wow. that ballpark. Uh, came out of Table Rock. Well, okay, I'm lying. It was out of Table Rock, but they've broken that record uh, a few times in the last year over in Oklahoma. Okay. Um, but the biggest one in Missouri would, I think, be 140s out of Table Rock. All right, so before we get too far, um, why do we have to snag these paddlefish? Like, why can't we just catch them on a lure? So they're like filter feeders, mm. and 
they they don't go for lures. Mm-hmm. So you're just la- you can you're try. Left. <laughs> you, you can try, but well, you have to snag them because you're not successful if you don't snag them. Right, right, right. I mean, unless they just mm-hmm. swim by with their mouth open and your lure right. goes in their mouth. Yeah. So that and that doesn't. We're not that lucky. <laughs> right, right, right. Why is there only certain times that you can do the snagging? Well, it's just a, I mean, just, well, there's a, a limitation on the harvest, like we have on so many fisheries, but then that also coincides with when they make their spawning runs mm. and when they're vulnerable and people can catch them, it just kind of lines up. They're, that's the best time of the year to catch them. The good eating? I, we never, I've never yeah, caught one, so obviously. I've, so, I've caught one down below. Uh, one of our spillways down here because it some well we had high water that year and they made a they made their way up i'm guessing from the mississippi because it's one of our um our demont river basin dumps into the mississippi and and they move like crazy so we just finished up a study where they're paddlefish we we tagged paddlefish in truman that went through the dam into lake of the ozarks through the dam into the osage river and then i believe they had one that was recaptured at Gavin's Point in South Dakota, wow. which Whoa. is hundreds of miles away, and they're pretty regularly making longer distance trips than you probably would expect them to. Interesting. And as far as the taste goes, uh, it's probably a debatable topic like so many fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say they're they're different than anything else, but kind of like you have like there's fish and then there's salmon and trout and they're just different. Mm-hmm. Well, paddlefish is its own separate third category that's just different than anything else. And some people like them and some people hate them and, and they've got some extra red meat on them that you gotta trim up or you're definitely not gonna like them, but um, there's definitely groups of people that do like them. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had it once and if I remember correctly, it's been many years, probably at least 10 years. I think that was like 10 years ago mm-hmm. when I caught that one, but the texture is not like a regular fish. It's a little it's, bit different. It's a little different. Yeah. yeah. You can I've grilled them up before and they can grill up pretty decent, but mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, they're just, they're different. Right. I've had sturgeon before too. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'd like paddlefish more than sturgeon. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Might have to go try this one day. Go I snagging. I don't think I mean, I've had sturgeon, so. Yeah. Sturgeon. That comparison. It was a little fishy, but uh, it was all right. I mean, it's, it's a fish. It's a fish. <laughs> I know some people, you know, some people try the hardest. You don't to, like for your fish to taste like fish? Uh, <laughs> apparently, a lot of people don't. Like, what are you guys doing? Freaking smothering it like crazy? Oh, man. But, uh, anyways, so um, Missouri has blue cats. I'm a big fan. And we just mm-hmm. had Ernesto from Kansas. And Kansas got mm-hmm. some pretty awesome bluefish uh, fisheries. So what can you tell us about Missouri's bluefish population? So, like Truman Lake, where I'm at, has really high numbers of blue catfish. Uh, we actually have you know, more small blue catfish than we'd really like to have in the fishery. It causes them to grow slow. Um, so, like, I know I know a guy, I think he posted on this this morning on Facebook that he, the SAR limit's 10 fish, and they went out and caught 30 or 40 or 50 of them before, like, 9 o'clock in the morning. It's just, like, ridiculous. They go out and catch their limits and hammer them and... And we'll get a few, you know, a good blue cat in Truman is 30, 40, a really good one's 50 pounds. Um, if you want to go for big catfish, you want to go to the Missouri or the Mississippi River. That's where, you know, uh, people pull out 100 pounders every once in a while. 
and we just don't see those in Truman. We, we grow well, too slow. Front of the show, River Certified always goes that area, I believe. Yeah. So for for like those uh, boundary waters, um, do you, does the uh, Missouri DNR do you guys manage those bodies of water, or are they kind of just you kind of more manage the lakes opposed to mm-hmm. let's say the Missouri River? You're not stocking fish into those body or into the river, are you? Um, they so we'll stock a few lake sturgeon mm-hmm. and a few pallid sturgeon. I don't know that we're that is outside of my responsibilities, right, 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 but right, right. we're not stocking a lot in the Missouri River. I can okay. tell you that the the blue catfish and and they're reproducing on their own, and and we've got the silver carp problem like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. So. Right. The silver carp thing. It's uh, I think uh, what's um, Hank was going down that river, and he was saying they were jumping like crazy. Literally, I think Hank went down the Mississippi. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Mississippi. So they're bad on the Missouri. I've worked over in Illinois a little bit. They're really bad over there. Are so they? Missouri's not as bad as some, especially yeah, when you go over to the Illinois, the Illinois River, and uh, I'm not sure what, what the other ones look like, but how it's you, not as bad as it could be. But it's not not good by any means. Um, how are you guys dealing with them to help? I guess you can say minimize them if if you can. I guess I don't even know. Um. So, I'm not really involved with any of that work right now. Okay. So, I guess most like I said, most of my responsibility is Truman Lake, and that's where I focus my time on. I I kind of keep up a little bit on what they're doing, but I was in the silver carp world for a little while, and I'm out of the silver carp world now. <laughs> Are you glad? Um. So. I manage the largest reservoir in the state. It's the reservoir that I grew up going to in the summers when I went to the lake, so I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, but I enjoyed killing carp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's let's jump into some fishing. What what's uh what type of fishing do you like to like? What's your preferred species? Uh, well, that's a <laughs> I like to fish for muskies. <laughs> okay. They're very limited in Missouri, so you have to, you know, I have to go north for that. Um, if I'm in Missouri on, you know, my home lakes, uh, you know, crappie, hybrid stripers, catfish, white bass. White bass are fun because they fight real well. Um, yeah. That's pretty much our favorite fish to fish for. Yeah. My, my little avatar for my uh, uh, YouTube and social media is like me holding a uh, hybrid striped bass <laughs> because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Um, in Iowa, we stock a whole bunch, but we don't, we don't uh, produce or rear those fish here. We bring them in from other states. Is Missouri one of those states? Do you know? We don't produce well. Yeah. We don't. We don't spawn them. Okay. We okay. get them when I think they're like a couple days old, mm. where they'll sh- ship them in from other states, uh, but and then raise them up in the hatchery and and stock them when they're probably three months old or something i'm not sure i know we stock them in june and we probably pick them up in april so may so, june two so months three months where are these uh hybrids coming from what state yeah what state um i'm not ter- i'm not real involved with that i think at times they've come from kansas at times okay. they come from okay. arkansas yeah, we I just had know. the Kansas guy. I forgot to ask like, him that. But I th- for, I, uh, yeah. for some reason, I think somebody mentioned that uh, we get them from Missouri, but obviously they're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and then we get them from Kansas, I think. Okay. I think somebody told us that, I think. Mm-hmm. I remember. If 
fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure we get them from Kansas too. But I, I would think Arkansas makes sense too because they got you know stripers and True. the hybrids down there. It would make sense to come from a state that has the actual stripers too. I, uh, I, th I think you get some from Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> makes sense. I don't want to talk too much about the other states and what they yeah. do, but I think you get some from if, Arkansas. Um, my last question would be is like, okay, if there's one thing that you wish the general public knew of, you know what you know you guys do for the state and everything what would be the one thing that you wish people knew or or they may maybe misconceive as a general public like they're not doing this or something like that or they're you know in regards to protecting species or anything like that is there anything that you would like the because we do have listeners in missouri too yeah so is there anything that you know they hey this is not true guys or this is true this is what we actually do to help the fisheries here i think just so much of the time probably people get their own ideas of things and you know we try to understand everybody's opinions and, and viewpoints and I guess maybe more than anything you know when I set a regulation we have regulations that half the people are on one side and half the people are on the other side mm -hmm. so you know at some point we have to make a decision of which way to go so I guess I don't know if I'm giving you a real specific answer but yeah. just the general you know I, I think most people understand that we're trying to do the best job we can. Um, but personally, my opinion, I think, you know, putting a face, you know, for me as the biologist of the lake that, that I manage, putting my face in people seeing me, uh, whether it's something like this or other things I do more locally, um, people getting to me, to know me helps people trust me. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess kind of the what you're you're asking the question of what do they need to know and <laughs> i guess i would put a lot of that burden on myself um mm. making sure that people know me and understand that i have the best interest out there for the fishery and i want to do things that help everybody out but at the same time i can't help everybody else because yeah. not everybody wants the same thing i mean you get into something like catfish especially there's there's a lot of people that are harvest oriented and they want to be able to keep every fish they catch and maybe that's I mean maybe I'm exaggerating to the extremes but you have a group that wants to catch every keep every fish and a group that wants to not let anybody ever keep a fish because they want to get them as big as they can possibly be and you kind of have to bring what's total opposites I mean you can't bring total opposites together and get a regulation that works but you try to maybe find some kind of middle ground find some kind of place that works for people and then and the other thing is just you know our fisheries do have limitations yeah and um just because a fishery was good for something 20 years ago doesn't mean it's going to be good for that now and, and especially on on the reservoirs so the reservoirs its own special thing where you know when truman went into place in 1978 it had the boom that every fishery has and it had this great bass fishery and then over time things change and that's just how you know, especially with your reservoirs because they're not natural. That's just how it works and things things change and people want things to be the way they used to be. Mm. Or they complain about when it's not as good as it used to be. And, and it's kind of, the catfish is a little bit different because we've got lots and lots of numbers and if you have lots and lots of numbers, you don't get as many complaints. <laughs> there you, go. You, know, you don't get as many complaints with lots and lots of numbers as you do with low numbers and no, <laughs> no size. Exactly. So, right. um, but yeah, just understanding that, you know, we're trying to do the best we can and, you know, that includes a lot of things and 
taken in everybody's considerations or everybody's thoughts as well as you know what the fishery is capable of true and what what we'll do if 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 allowed if we can get you back on to do like a full episode with you chris because then we can really dive into you know your whole lake and everything a little bit and really Mm -hmm. get into that uh we'd love to have you back on we can just do like a zoom whenever Mm -hmm. you have time uh i know we've just got time constraints now trying to get everybody in for Mm -hmm. 10 15 minutes but uh, i'm pretty sure a lot of our listeners would like to hear a little bit more about missouri for sure Mm -hmm. if if that's okay with you yeah, I'll give you my information. Perfect. Sounds Ooh. good, man. You got anything else for him? Uh, well, all I got is we need to get down to Missouri. Because I, I personally, yeah. I, I I go to Kansas quite a bit. Missouri, it's about the same drive. Maybe even closer. Truman Lake's like closer. five do you, hours. Do you, do you want to know the hot bite? Sure. If you like the crappie fish, that's what's hot. Right now? Well, that and catfish. But yeah, the crappie oh. fish is hot. Really? Like the, the guys, the serious anglers say right now, is the best time of the year to fish the lake for blue catfish and crappie. Hmm. Interesting. So I think right now, well, we're in Iowa, and we're kind of coming towards the end of our ice ice, ice season. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing down there in Missouri, things are, like, kind of the ice is coming so, off the lakes right so now. So Truman is right on the edge, and if you get to, by the time you get to north Missouri, you'll freeze up. By the time you get to south Missouri, you won't freeze up. Mm-hmm. And Truman is on that middle where... I, we had a couple days where it was froze up, where you couldn't have fished. I know there was, you know, I talked about how great the crappie fishing was. I know it was a week before last, I think. The lake was almost entirely froze up, but there was still a guy that fishes every day, fishing guide, that put his boat in and broke through the ice <laughs> to get to his crappie spot where the water was opened up, hammered his fish, caught his limit real fast, and wow. didn't take out. So it's like... Especially with crappie, and, and you know, I hear the guys talking, the ice will freeze up over the blue catfish faster than it will the crappie, but the crappie are on the bluffs where that deep water is, and they're like, as long as you got a little bit of open water, you get out there and catch crappie. <laughs> there you you don't need much. We're going to we're gonna get Chris back on. We'll, we'll <laughs> dive into a little bit more um, about the crappie. I'm a, I love crappies, and I suck at catching crappies, so that's good to hear. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can do. But other than that, Chris, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your time, and then... Um, We'll get your information. We'll definitely, uh, we'll touch base. We'll get, yep. we'll, we'll get you on for a full episode. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks, Thank Chris. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Kelowna Brewing Company. If you live in Eastern Iowa, make sure to swing by Kelowna Brewing Company's tap room. Amazing food and amazing craft beer. If you live in Central Iowa or in the Midwest, swing by your local supermarket and see if they carry the Kelowna Brewing Company line of beer. And also swing by your local restaurants, local bars, see if they have Kelowna Brewing Companies on tap. If not, make sure you guys request it. You, I kid you not, you won't regret that. Other than that, enjoy this episode, guys. So relax, huh? Yeah, yeah a little yeah, bit. We're kind of a relaxed podcast. Yeah, have yeah. you listened to any of our... I, I hadn't, and then okay. Jeff uh, told me about it, and I was like, oh, I'll go on and watch a few of them, and I, I love the beer. I like the fishing, <laughs> but the beer is awesome. It's it's killer for us, so... I mean, it's, <laughs> it's killer for me, man. I, this is my time away from the kids, so I get, I, I get a chance to drink some beer, talking fishing with this guy, and then we have guests on, so I can't be that. I, I don't know what that's like. Kid, away from kids? Time away from kids? <laughs> Man, I, I do you have how many kids you got? I got two. Oh. I got two young ones, and I got four young ones. So <laughs> it's interesting. But and I'm the single guy that just loves <laughs> fishing. I live through him. Lucky. Lucky. Ninety percent of my fishing.
fishing now is putting fish on and off for the kids and baiting hooks and oh man it, i want to go fishing for myself so okay. bad joined the club so. <laughs> all right welcome uh welcome back everybody and we have mark is it how do you spell it it's Finsel. 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 So we got Mark Finsel yeah. from South Dakota, mm -hmm. and you're a fishery biologist. Fisheries biologist. Yep. Perfect. So I've moved around a little bit for different positions, but currently fish biologist. Yep. Perfect. Do, do you have like a, a certain lake that you're uh, associated with? Yep. And so I'm in charge of a lot of the lakes in the center part of the state. Uh, the two of them that are the biggest is Lake Oahe and Lake Sharp. And Lake Oahe is by far the biggest. It's 150,000 hectares. Uh, it's got more shoreline than California. It's a fourth biggest reservoir in the U.S. So. Wow. Big lake, yep. Goes all the way up into North Dakota. Uh, luckily, my jurisdiction stops or jurisdiction stops at the border. So, <laughs> we, we actually have quite a bit of listeners from South Dakota because uh, we do a lot of ice fishing topics oh. and all that stuff. So, obviously, that's uh, the hot area right now. A lot of people go there. You, you guys get a lot of tourism, right? We we do. We get a lot of tour. I was, I was going to say condolences. So this last week we had. 60 degree weather for like four days and we lost ice on especially from like pure south uh grassland ponds which are very popular uh -huh. lost almost all our ice down there really? we actually had fishing events set up for this past weekend and we had to cancel a bunch of them because they couldn't get on the ice wow no way yeah that shorelines you know 10 15 feet of open water before you're getting to the ice cool. uh not everywhere but lost a lot of our ice Ooh, so they're going to be like spring fishing here pretty soon then very very soon yeah interesting hmm. It's funny. Um, I'm on a, a lot of these Facebook groups, and some of the locals they're uh, they're pretty vocal about like us Iowans coming up, <laughs> coming up to South Dakota. Mm -hmm. They give us a lot of shit. <laughs> That's everybody. Don't feel bad that it's just <laughs> Iowa. That's everybody. And uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. They I think they recognize how good they have it in South Dakota. You know, South Dakota is like one of the best states to live and fish hands down and they want to protect that i understand that but on the on the flip side you know we have such a great resource i want to share it with everybody i want everybody to experience it but right we're buying licenses you know yeah, we're, yeah. we're spending money oh, hands we're down. going to your mom and pop shops at least we try to mm -hmm. you know we're spending money so it's not all bad you south dakotans is that is that is that right yeah is south dakotans yeah oh. dakotans yep. good job man yeah. but and, and you know what that's that's the minority, you know, right, very right. Of minority. course, there's, Most there's always vocal. the vocal minority yeah. that kind of puts a bad image for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them are very good, and we do. We have such great resources, man. I want to tell everybody about it and have everybody come out. But on the flip side, I got my spots. I like to go. <laughs> I like to fish there by myself every now and then. But so the lake that you you help cover, what what's the the main attraction to there? What, what's the main species that everybody's going to target there? So so we're South Dakota. We're walleye. You know we're very walleye centric. No matter what happens, you know our our primary targeted fish will be a walleye. No matter what. It's just part of the culture. It's embedded deep in the culture up there. Um, but we have amazing pike fisheries, amazing smallmouth, Chinook salmon, um, doing awesome right now. Um, we just broke, so in Lake Oahe, we have three of the big fours. We have the state record for pike, uh, Chinook salmon, and we just broke the smallmouth bass record in South Dakota out of our reservoir. And over the last two years, we have spawned state record walleye out of Lake Oahe, but nobody's been able to catch one hook and line yet. But wow. we know they're out there. We've handled them, but nobody's been able to catch them. What's the limit for walleye there? I'm just kidding. Four. I, is it four? It is four, yeah. Are you guys ever going to limit? The reason being because um, I was actually in some of these South Dakota groups, mm -hmm. and I was just wondering, we might have somebody from South Dakota here that we're going to speak with. And uh, Any questions? The very first couple questions that I had was like, 
why don't we put more limits on walleyes up there in South Dakota? They're asking because you know it would help in regards to the fishery or fishery and everything. At least that's what they're thinking. But mm-hmm. they're just wondering: is there a way, at least during the months or certain months, can we set limits on walleye? Because that was the biggest. Like honestly, I, I probably mm-hmm. had like about four or five people that actually hit me up about that. So we we get that all the time and. Um, Part of the job that I do, I do a lot of fish research. And one of the first things we look at before we do a, uh, any kind of regulation changes, is there enough harvest on that fishery to make a difference if you put a limit on it? Mm-hmm. The fact is, Oahe's huge, man, 150,000 acres. Um, when we were doing our tagging studies up there, the highest exploitation was like 17% in one year. Most years, it's down around 10 or 12%. You know, when you start looking at how high of exploitation you need before you start having regulations, you know, make a difference, you're looking at 25, 30% before it actually matters. So yeah, there's a lot of people at a boat ramp, but when you look at the size of the lake, there's actually very little harvest that happens up there. So right now we have a a, a one over 20 inch regulation that's completely a social regulation. Um, We could take that off and you would not tell a difference in the fishery itself. But it's social regulation, Um, you know, we had some issues with people, you know, when they bring three or four really big fish to the cleaning station and somebody doesn't have three or four fish, then there's <laughs> there's issues, right? Yeah. Finger pointing and how could you do that? But So we have a one over 20 right now. See, the funny thing is I I had no idea this social regulation uh, thing was even like a something that fisheries even considered until we got to know Jeff Kapaska oh, yeah. with our crappie limits. He's like, yeah, it's, it's purely social. Mm-hmm. Like 25, whatever, you know, people, it's just what the people wanted pretty much. Hands down. And, and we try to do that. You know, we serve the, the anglers 100%. Right. Um, and, you know, our voice is heard. You know, they come to us and they say, will this hurt the population? And most of the time, a regulation will not hurt the population. So then we throw it back on the anglers. Do the anglers really want this regulation? It won't hurt anything, but if that's how you want to um, regulate yourselves, that's, that's, that's fine. That's the thing. I don't think they realize it's not going to change anything like you were mm-hmm. saying, but I think it's more of people who have a bad day of fishing and they're like, you just said, you just see somebody <laughs> caught like exactly. really good. Like, damn it. It's because they're over harvesting. Yes. You know, that's, that's the first thing that they're thinking. Like I didn't catch shit today. Yep. That guy caught limit easily. Look at that one hour. Yep. He needs to be limited. He cannot yes. harvest that many. I can because I don't catch as many fish, but he definitely <laughs> should not be harvesting that many. I, I think that's the, the biggest, I think that's everywhere. It's not oh, just yeah. in South Dakota, but oh, yeah. you know, it's just the same thing with Iowa or same yep. thing with species. It's just, it's just because one bad day, then you see somebody else having a good day. You're just like, yep, that's, that's the reason mm-hmm. over harvesting. Yep. And, and the thing is the general public, like me, me and him work, I think we're kind of fortunate that we get to speak to people like yourself that are kind of behind the scenes and we get a little insight opposed to the general public. You know, they really don't know what's going on behind the scenes, and that's kind of why we have this podcast. If they listen to us, they're like, oh, okay. Some of the stuff that, you know, our DNRs do makes more sense now instead of, oh, why doesn't the DNR do this? Why, like, yep. why don't they do that? Oh, they need to do this and stuff like that. You, you know what I'm saying? Yep, and there are times when we do want to go in with the regulation because there is something that's a problem, mm-hmm. and biologically, what do you want to do that? Um, the last one we did was the removed a, a length limit on Ponset. So uh, we had walleye that were stunting at like 14 and a half inches. There were so many fish in there that they their growth slowed down. Mm-hmm. And that's where we went to commission and said, we need to get rid of a 15 inch minimum. You guys need to harvest these fish because they're not growing. 
Um, but it, you know, those are those cases are actually very rare where you go in with a biological reason to say let's change a regulation. I would say more often than not, a lot of those are social regulations. And then like you, how you just mentioned, it, a lot of these regulations they're kind of like on a case by case basis. Very right? much. You can't right. just take that regulation you mentioned just apply it across the whole board. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 100%. And you know that, that's really hard to tell a lot of um, anglers too that. You know, the biggest thing is growth and mortality. You know, you put one regulation on one lake, well, growth could be really good or really bad on another one, and the regulation would do nothing or actually hurt them a lot of times. Same thing with harvest limits. You know, you have really good recruitment, you have a lot of fish out there, you can harvest a lot of fish. Well, this lake's completely different. You know, it has very bad recruitment. You know, you know, uh, we don't want to harvest as many fish out of there. But. So what do you think is the biggest challenge when it comes to setting these regulations? Oh, I would say public input and truly understanding what the public wants. So we hear from the, 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 the group of anglers that are most vocal, but that doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily indicative of what everybody wants. Like we want to have a regulation that the majority of the people accept. But the problem is, is that when you come to uh, commission meetings and stuff like that, it's always the loud voices that get heard the most. Uh, and it's hard for us to kind of judge, you know, is that truly indicative of everybody? Or is that just a few people that are very, very vocal? That, that's one of the hardest things, like trying to figure out what our anglers want. Because we serve the anglers, trying to figure out what they want is tough. Right, right. Hmm. How's the perch at your uh, So we don't have a lot of perch. Okay. That being said, the, the few perch we get uh, are jumbos are really nice fish, but yeah. very few people. It's the same thing with our crappie. We get, you know, massive crappie, uh, you know, 15, 16 inch crappie. Jeez. But they're very few and far between, so it's hard to... <laughs> It's hard to it's hard to target them. We had a year class that came through a couple years ago, and uh, we knew those year that year class was not long for that lake. You know they're aging out pretty soon, and so we went in and started trapping, transferring you know, 14, 15 inch crappie and putting them in small urban ponds, uh, rural community ponds, and kids are going out there catching 14, 15, 16 inch crappies. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, but you know we we knew that they were going to be gone, and I think within two years, you know that that fishery had you know all the fish died and you know they were they were gone but. do you guys have a lot of like uh, uh farm ponds and stuff up there that you guys because because i know like in southern iowa we have a ton of farm ponds that the iowa dnr helps stock and you know help do you guys have a lot of that in south dakota too we have some so we have a lot of dugouts so uh, you know almost every ranch has a dugout where they water cattle and stuff like that okay. uh and in the past we did a lot more working with them to stock and whatnot um, but it kind of got a little overwhelming because we always had um, requests to go do it. So now we have to enroll our uh, private lands into uh, moderate public access so that any work we do on private land, they have to allow some kind of public access to Makes it. So, so if we're stocking it with something from a hatchery or something like that, you know, technically those are the state's resources. You know, all of the anglers' resources, they have to allow people to get on there and, and fish. Yeah, so they can't just freaking hog it all to it's themselves. Mine, exactly. <laughs> it's mine. Yep. <laughs> and you'd be surprised how many people are really receptive to that. You know, we can go into a pond and say, you know, you have a 20-acre pond right here, and, you know, it's all private. You know, we could, you know, stock XYZ, do a lot of stuff for you. You know, would you like some public access? And hands down, most of the time, they're like, yeah, why not? Yeah, you know, let people come in, and we, we mark it on the website, and we say, you know, this is a private pond, but open to public. Yeah, it kind of basically everybody benefits from that exactly exactly the problem we have in uh, south dakota is everything's tied to hydrologic cycles and right now we're going into a drought so you know ponds lakes everything's dropping and pretty soon we're going to start losing a lot of our fisheries which is yeah not good so what do we need 
to, to water. fix that. <laughs> water. Water. Rain? Rain water. would help, right? I know uh, snow, actually. Snow. That's what I was wondering. Snow is the, the best thing for us. If we can get a bunch of, I know everybody hates it and I hate snow, but the best thing for us is going to a wet cycle and get feet of snow on the ground. Fill up everything, recharge everything, and then we're good for a long time. But. A lot of people don't Hopefully. realize that snow is, it, that's what I, 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 I don't know if I read it, I heard it somewhere, like, because of the drought, they go, we need snow. I'm we like, need snow. Because normally, I'm just like, snow, but mm -hmm. then it, not, it makes sense once it melts, where's it going to go? Yep. So when you get rain, rain percolates through the soil and goes down into the water bank. When you get snow and that ground's frozen, the, the water doesn't actually drain into the soil. It goes across the land to your sloughs and ponds and stuff like that. Oh. And that's what fills it up right away. You know, there's summer rains, you know, you might raise a lake an inch or two, but if you get, you know, the equivalent in snow, a foot of snow, oh man, your lakes go up fast. Mm. Huh. And that's what we need. And that's good for every. That's good for fish and waterfowl and birds and, you know, everything. So snow is good. Too. Snow is very good. Rising water, very good. There you go. Interesting. I, I, like I said, I heard it. I just didn't know. Now that really explains mm -hmm. it. I'm just an idiot. Like I said, I don't know. Man. I, <laughs> I, I, that's why I love this. Uh, I love doing this podcast. I'm just learning mm -hmm. new little tidbits all the time. So it's kind of cool. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. yeah you said um, uh, you're kind of like in a drought period. Is, is this 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 past season has it been comparatively comparatively worse than the last few years oh yeah, yeah. so uh, the reservoir came up in 2008 2009 particularly and we've been near full our big reservoir like Hawaii, we've been close to full for the last few years and we're dropping oh man 10 15 feet a year um so much so that our ramps are coming out of the water so we're starting to dig out our old uh low water ramps and access is going to be an issue this next year as um, we're moving from ramp to ramp trying to provide access for people because you know your ramps go down and then there's rock and so you have to put in new ramps and um, it's going to be really hard for our anglers this year and you know they have to bear with us as we're trying to keep up trying to keep access open but as that water comes down you know sometimes a foot or two feet a month you know we're just trying to stay on top of it and it's it's tough and it costs a lot of I mean, don't get me wrong it costs a lot of money to get contractors in there to yeah. move dirt and build ramps and very true, very it's, true. it's tough and it doesn't look like uh, there's much for snow up in the mountains so i have a feeling our lake's going to keep dropping this year which is mm. which is tough um the only last question i got true what do you like to fish for mark and what what's the best fish to eat in your opinion oh no those are very two different questions right, I was gonna say, those are two different things <laughs> sorry i had to add two <laughs> so my two favorite fish to fish for um i hands down my favorite fish is paddlefish Okay. But I've only caught two, and that's because we have a lottery system in uh, South Dakota where you can only get a tag. And it took me like five years to get my paddlefish tag the first time. Got the second one. Amazing. Like, my first one was like 80 pounds. Wow. I was using like a, a broomstick, you know, king cat out there, <laughs> and it's doubled back. And oh. it was 20 minutes of riding along, just Man. fighting it and fighting it fighting it. And it was so much fun, and I would do that again in a heartbeat. But, you know, there's just not a lot of those fish, so we actually have a tag, lottery tag system to... to to catch one of those but if you guys ever get the chance holy cow you want to talk about a ride it'd be it's wild i've caught one in my life and it was well actually no two now that i think about it's like this freaking little scrawny guy that was like this long and then one guy i was actually catfishing with a piece of cut bait and a floating jig head and i'm guessing it swam by with his mouth open because yeah. i hooked it in the mouth yeah. and the thing was it was it was at night and the uh, the nostrum. Yep, the rostrum. Is it rostrum? Rostrum. Rostrum. Yeah. rostrum 
was broken off. Oh. Okay. And then all we saw was the fins. I'm like, dude, what if it's a shark? Because <laughs> like their fins are kind of like a oh, shark. Yeah. They're shark-like. Yeah. And then you know it didn't have the freaking the nose. Yeah. And we were like, man, dude, like, like what if it's a shark or a, or a sturgeon or something? We were like freaking out. And then yeah. my buddy, he just reached in there. He's like, oh, <laughs> he threw it up on shore. Yeah. And then once I got a close look at it, I was like, wait a minute, this fish looks weird. It's a freaking paddlefish without the paddle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's actually pretty common. They lose their paddles, especially when they're moving, uh, when they go over a dam. Yeah. They spin down the, the dam or through concrete tunnels or whatever, and they'll break their paddles off. Yeah. Uh, boat accidents a lot of times, too, as guys are going, they'll yeah. cut the rostrums off. And it's Believe it or not, there's quite a few of them out there that survive that and still yeah. do well. But Interesting. Well, this one didn't survive after I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, 85-pounder, man. You'll, that's insane. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be done after that. I think you'll the one I caught was maybe... 10 tops. Yep. Wow. I can't imagine an 80 pound. It's, it's fun. So that's my number one. My number two, which, you know, I, I can't go paddle fishing all the time, but number two is salmon. You know, salmon's just, it's a hoot. It's one of the toughest fighting fish I've ever fought. So we use downriggers on Lake Oahe. We're fishing down 140 feet, 150 feet, and you have a release go off, and then all your line is slack. You just sit there and reel as fast as you can, and you see a fish on the surface in like three seconds dance along, and it came from 150 foot to the surface that fast. Jeez. And you're reeling, you're reeling, you're reeling, and as soon as you get it tight, it goes down, and you just watch the drag, and it's just going down all the way down 200 feet. Then everything goes slack again, and you reel back up, and you do that until it tires out. Oh, it's it's a hoot. Dang, that's cool. I mean, I know I know we're trying to wrap it up here, but so these uh, salmon, are you guys stocking mm -hmm. them? Oh, okay. Yep. So we stock uh, Chinook. We just got done stocking Atlantic salmon as well. Um, wow. We're providing a, a kind of a different opportunity. Um, they hang out in different water columns, so we thought different types of anglers would be able to access them. Um, but yeah, stock Chinook, and uh, I think in a couple of years we're probably going to start stocking kokanee as well. But yeah. uh, we're going to have to. It's fun, man. We got to get up. Do there, it. Man. It's 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 a blast. That's so cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. we definitely so got cool. we, we got to get you back on. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely get you back on. We'll, yeah, because I've been telling everybody we want to get a full episode, an hour or so, with you guys to sure. so really be able to dig into your location and everything. And um, but this is kind of awesome for yeah. us, just to kind of we're talking to you guys, which is so cool. I'm, I'm mind blown right now, just the type of fisheries. It's got to be amazing. So like I even see it from state to state, but the differences between us and I think you had Chris in from Missouri, yeah. uh, you know, and then go down and talk to the Kansas guys about blue cats yeah. and like oh yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's pretty intriguing. It's so deep. I, I love it. This is cool, man. So, yeah. um, no, definitely thank you for, for just joining us here. Yeah. But we'll, we'll definitely get in touch with you and uh, definitely get you get an opportunity. We'll, we'll do like a Zoom uh, podcast and we'll get you back on so you can really inform us about your location. Sure. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, That's guys. Cool. Thank you. Yep.